Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realized until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy, and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.
hello. Yes, that was a rousing start to what is episode 23 of Wheel the Roost. You're joining us so soon after the last episode and we thought that uh, we'd give you a little pick-me-up after what has been quite a quite a turbulent few days. How are you doing, Raji Baines? Um, still feel horrible. It's it's pretty depressing, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm, I've never like been through a, a parent's divorce or had a serious relationship breakup or anything like that. But if it's anything like this, then I'm tempted to live the rest of my life alone. Is it, it? Well, just think about it, mate. That that time when you got sacked from your football management team. That that's. Yeah. I never get sacked from football management teams. No, I suppose that's no. why the pile of tissues is so high in the bedroom, still, isn't it? <laughs> that's the cold. I don't know what you 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 referring to. Anyway, uh, one thing I wanted to clear up um, from a, a few oh, detractors, I would say, just very quickly, on the subject of AVB, Harry Redknapp, I mean, one of the criticisms of the AVB episode was that we were particularly critical of Harry Redknapp and almost... Was that me particularly? Seemed, I, I don't know. It wasn't really aimed at anyone. Well, I actually got the, the a couple of messages about it. Um, but for me personally, I, I didn't celebrate Harry Redknapp getting sacked and... I, I do in part appreciate what he did. He, you, know, he, you can say what you like about the man's character, which is appalling. <laughs> Sorry, but it is as a person. But um, on the football pitch, we did have some very good times under him, and I don't, I don't by any means not appreciate that. Um, some of the some of the best nights of my life as a Spurs fan have been under Harry Redknapp's. Um, tenure. <laughs> some of the best nights of your Spurs life have been under Harry Redknapp. Oh God, that's an awful thought, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, there you go. Floats your Villas Boas. Hey, Definitely that's... be under him. Yeah, I just but... want to give him a cuddle at the moment. I know, the poor sod. But uh... Just to clear up that Redknapp thing, I think where I'm coming from with it is, as, as you say, as a Marin, he's, a, he's an abhorrent character. He probably should be in prison at the moment, um, allegedly. <laughs> but um, him as a manager, it's always something I've been, um, been slightly... I think the fact that we fell off so much when it when the team actually required management, when we had injuries, when we had something going on that actually required management, his his thoughts were elsewhere, was obviously a massive detractor in his last season at the club. The season before where we fell away too, um, it it was because he his ineptitude in terms of being proactive and changing things is always something that worried me. For example, when I went for a tour around the, the uh, Tottenham Stadium, one of the things that the one of the blokes we got chatting to who worked for the club that toured us around did was he he, he said um, before a game, Harry ever Harry doesn't give the team talk like there's no sort of um, tactical input, there's no you know dial like little board tactic boards or anything going on whatsoever. He left the the pre-match team talk to his two coaches, so Kevin Bond and Joe Jordan, would obviously give him the you know what your roles are, blah, blah, generic speech. And and he'd always view the first half as a gamble, (laughs) which when you then compare that to AVB's approach of having scouted the team for a month, have a large um, document on how they will play and and have planned it to to the last degree, it doesn't seem seem to to match in terms of management ability. Obviously, he did really well on the pitch with us. His, His achievements are undeniable. However, the extent to which the achievements were his own and not the fact that we had Bale, Van der Vaart, Adebayor, Modric, all these sorts of brilliant players. We had, you know, Dawson when he was good, King when he was, he, well, King when he was King. 
And then we had, you know, Anasu Okoto who didn't spend his time taking pictures in the stands. We had a, a very good Carl Walker. It was um, it, it almost, it was a squad that it would have been harder to fail with than than flourish. So I think that's that's his main his main coming down point. I think um, it's comparable to when, you know, you've had Avram Grant in charge of a Chelsea side that pretty much played their own way to, to Champions League finals and what have you. But um, that's in the past now. Um, and I don't think there's any disagreement in the fact that, that Villas Boas is a better manager than Harry and uh, the fact that he gave us our record points total last year, which I think that's something that's been levelled at me, the point that the, the record points total doesn't mean anything if you've um, if you finish fifth, what I'd say in in response to that is the fact that we finished fifth, we should have finished higher than that with less points. To the fact that we've done that with a squad that was worse, there's there's no there's no argument to say that the, the squad we had last season compared to the one that we've had previously was was a lot worse. The fact that we the manager got it playing in the way he did and picked up the points and the, the records and the manner he did was was fantastic. I think that's what should have uh, saved his job this season, but obviously hasn't. But um, as you say, yeah, that's I think that's that's my view on Redknapp. Well, we've had a whole hour talking about that, and it, it is in the past now. Please uh, feel free to have a listen to. I don't say feel free to. I'm not going to ask you. Listen to the uh, uh, Rule the Roost AVB special. Um, it is on iTunes and the Spurs Statman website and everything else that we post it on. So just keep an eye out, have a listen, see what you think of it um, while the wound is still fresh. But today we have another game to focus upon, and it's a particularly tricky encounter down on the south coast. So, yeah, welcome to the show, Steve, um, who is the, 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 well, the owner and webmaster, should we say. That's a bit of an old uh, Web 2.0 word. No, Web 1.0, I guess. What are we in now? Social media, that's Web 2.0, isn't it? I should know this. Sound like should a proper theory, old man. Yeah. I sound like my dad, don't I? I'm going to be sending eBay, Ebays from my Google, I think. Mm. Um, but thank you very much for joining us, Steve, of Saints Web. No problem. It's, uh, it's certainly different circumstances um, under which we, we, we meet this time. Um, I, I would, you know, maybe the, the smug, arrogant side of... Of me, I think what was it Rupert Lowe described as as a load of arrogant tossers. Uh, North London yobbos. There we go. Yeah, the North London yobbo in me um, would have probably reveled in in this fixture a few years back, but can't say I'm I'm not a bit worried about it this time around. You're quite the little outfit nowadays. Glory days on the south coast. Well, potentially. I mean, it's it's an interesting one because while obviously we've we've strengthened the squad and we've looked pretty good. Um, everybody else has been spending a lot of money as well. Um, so while obviously we've been, and we've, we've spent best part of 30 odd million in both of the last two summers. Um, and yet we've basically had to do that just to catch up to a, to a mid table level. Um, I realistically, unless, unless there's money coming, coming in that isn't sort of from, uh, TV or ticket sales or whatever, then I don't see, I don't realistically see us challenging any any higher than maybe maybe touching the Europa League places at a very very big push. Um, but even then, I think our our squad isn't isn't deep enough to to cope with that. Unlike yours, I would say. Well, what I would say from a 
I would say through very envious eyes is the way in which your squad's been cultivated. It seems that, yeah, you have spent money, but you haven't spent money in a, in a whole city, Stoke City kind of way, where you're just buying 10, 15 average players. You seem to have spent money very wisely on very decent players and you're incorporating them into a solid core of homegrown talent. Like, surely the way in which uh, a decent club should be run. And that's something I would definitely level at Southampton. It, 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 how does the transfer policy work at Southampton, do you know? Because I, I'm sure you've heard over the past couple of days, it seems to be a, a complete and utter you know, jigsaw puzzle as to how it operates at Tottenham at the moment. Um, is it Pochettino that has it, or do you have this committee type? thing well I, th- I think there's there's kind of a bit of both really because um i mean we don't we don't have the sort of middle layer of the sort of sporting director or director of football whatever title you want to give uh baldini um but we do um obviously pochettino is in as head coach um but i don't while he will he will certainly make requests to um to the chairman in terms of okay i want this sort of player um, I don't think he gets too involved in terms of the actual recruitment and um, singling out individuals. I think Danny Osvaldo is an exception to that because he worked with him at um, Espanyol. Um, but all the other players um, have just come through um, having a requirement for a particular type of player. And um, the scouting network is has obviously pinpointed individuals. I mean, Victor Wanyama is hardly, a, hardly an unknown given his um, his performances for Celtic in the Champions League last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dayan Lovren um, from Lyon, um, I spoke to uh, spoke to a journalist friend of mine who's um, who covers the French league quite a lot, and he said that Lovren was an absolute um, absolute shambles for Lyon last year, um, and he was surprised that we paid we paid seven million quid for him. But I mean, I would. I'd probably say he's been our best player this season. I was going to say he, he's he, you've had one of the meanest defenses in the league, and he's definitely one that's been highlighted um, a lot. Yeah. As has Wanyama, who was a player that was heavily linked to Manchester United, and they didn't seem to want to take the plunge in the end. Do you I have can see what I can see why? I was, um, how has he performed has... for you thus far? When when we've been in games where um, we're under the cosh a little bit. Um, he's superb because he breaks breaks up the play and he gets he gets stuck in. He makes tackles. He's strong. He doesn't get brushed off the ball, and he's brilliant. When when he's when he's got that sort of defensive role to play, um, there are very few there are yeah very few better players at doing that in the Premier League. Um, the problem is when we're when we need to be on the front foot because I mean it baffles me how a professional footballer. Um, at this level can can have this, but he basically can't pass the ball five yards. Wilson um, Palacios did all right for a while. <laughs> yeah, he's quite quite a similar type of player, I think, um, in that he's he's sort of all, all action, but I think he's, I would say he's probably a little bit more disciplined than Palacios. Um, and obviously given that Wanyama's still only, I think he's 21, 22, so he's um, he's still got a fair bit of development to go, but he need. I mean, passing is what he needs to work on, um, particularly given given the way that we like to play, um, and with these sort of quick transitions. Once we've won the once we've won the ball, we want to we want to be um, running with the ball and moving it quickly. Um, and if he can't find a teammate with that, then we're basically giving the opposition the ball back again. 
I mean, I'd be quite interested to hear your take on Pablo Osvaldo because he was a player that was heavily linked to Spurs over the summer. Um, he had quite a reputation in Italy with Roma. Yeah. And as we saw from that goal he scored the other day, he, he is a man with a lot of class, a lot of talent in his locker. But thus far, I think it's, what is it, three three goals in the league he's got so far? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's you could liken it to Solder. I, I don't has he he's never particularly been a, a prolific goal scorer as far as I'm aware. Um, no, I'm not sure. I, 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 th- I think to be fair, I think the last few years he's he's always got into double figures in the league with Roma. Um, and that's been in the Roma side that's kind of been a little bit hit and miss. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can see you can obviously see the qualities there. Um. And I guess the problem with a club of our size spending um, whatever it was in the end, I think it's about 13, 14 million on him. It's a lot of money for a club of our size. And as a result, you kind of expect instant results. Whereas if, say, Spurs are spending 15 million quid on, on a player like that, um, he, may not be, he may not be first choice immediately. Um, so therefore, he'd be, he'd be given a lot, more, a lot more time to sort of um, bed himself in. I mean, um, where would you say it's it's not gone wrong, but not really worked for him thus far? I, I mean, a, a, par- a parallel I would draw is to Roberto Soldado, who you know, people will often say isn't getting the service, hence he's not doing as well as he probably should be. Um, yeah. Is there any kind of similar circumstance with Osvaldo? Um, I think a lot of it is... Um, for, some, for whatever reason, we have, we have an issue in the... Um, even though Lambert, his form this season hasn't been that great. I mean, he's put in, put in a handful of really good performances, but there have been a number of games where he's basically been completely anonymous. Um, and the problem is that when Lambert isn't in the team, um, we don't seem to know how to play. It's really weird um, because we don't, we don't use him as a sort of orthodox target man to sort of lump the ball up to and, and hold the ball up and things like that. He, he drops he drops out wide and I mean, he he basically plays in a similar way to Osvaldo does because Osvaldo likes to drop deep and pick the ball up in wide positions bring bring other people into play um, and but the sort of status that Lambert has means that um, it's very difficult to sort of it's almost a political thing in that politically Lambert can't be, while Lambert has been on the bench a lot of times, he's not the sort of player that you could um, leave out for three or four games. Um, firstly, because his fitness would go to pot. Um, but secondly, because, because he's so important to the, way, to the way that we play and has been ever since we signed him. Do you think it's one of these things that uh, people often say that if his name was Ricardo Lambertos, people would be much more keen to have him spearheading your attack? Um, no, I don't think so. I, th- I think Lambert's got Lambert's received a lot of praise over the last two or three years, and rightly so. Um, and I don't think I don't think any of the praise has been over the top. I don't. I think to be fair, I think the media have largely got it right. Um, he deserved his England call up. Um, took the chance when it came to him. Um, whether he whether he um, whether he does enough over the remaining remaining portion of the season to stay in um, in and around the squad is is obviously open to debate. Um, but I think no, I think Lambert's Lambert's um, been 
no, I don't think he's been treated shabbily or anything by by any sort of uh, any media outlets sort of not not rating him. Um, I mean, his 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 stats speak for themselves, really. Um, it's, I, I guess the problem is that he plays for Southampton and not Spurs, Liverpool, Arsenal. Um, so as a result, he's always going to have to go that extra yard to get noticed. This is true, but I would say that's not been a problem for two of you lads in particular, um, a certain Mr Adam Lalana and, of course, a Mr Luke Shaw. If we start on Lalana, I mean, his his rise, he, he was often a name that seemed to be kind of whispered as he could be potentially a very good player for England one day, but he seems to be fully realising that now. Um, and it's surely a matter of time until he breaks into the England team, but... Is this not one of those things where when you see a player start to rise with that kind of natural ability, um, and it, it was probably a very raw ability at first, but it seems to have been coached into genuine talent now, um, that he's going to end up going to someone like Man United who could arguably do with a, a right midfielder? Yeah, I mean, I, I suspect that he'll... Um, I actually don't think Man United would be a very good fit for him. Um, without wishing to um, to sort of piss you off as your um, on on your club podcast, but I think he'd actually fit perfectly at Arsenal. Oh, that, just go, Steve. That's it. Yeah, sorry. Shows so over. In, <laughs> no. the, the, the system that they the system that they play would would suit him a lot more because um, United um, over the years have historically always played with out and out wingers, and they don't tend to have that sort of floaty midfielder. Um, which is why Kaga was barely getting a look in for them because he's he is that sort of player as well. Um, so I don't think he'd suit uh, suit United at all. Um, City perhaps, but I suspect they um, they'd be looking um, looking slightly more up market, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean Lalana's come on leaps and bounds even this season. Um, I mean he he started quite well beginning of last season, um, even though we were obviously getting beat every week. Uh, first couple of months of the season, um, but then the second half of last season, he was he he seemed to drift uh, drift through games and didn't really contribute a lot. And he was he was very he was very frustrating to watch at the back end of last season. Um, but this since the start of this season, he's been he's been superb and he's probably up there with um, with Lovren as as uh, player of the year candidates at the moment. What do you what do you make of Lalana Raj? Um, he's he's one of those players that um, when I used to speak about Southampton when they were in the lower leagues, he'd be one that would always he'd almost like fly under the radar of praise because in the lower leagues, that technical player isn't always appreciated as much as they are when you get to the Premier League. Specifically, because a, a, a lot of my friends are unfortunately Leeds fans. Whenever they would play Southampton, obviously Ricky Lambert would score the goals, but the one that they'd always pick out for praise would be Adam Lallana. So I've, I've had my eye on him for a while, especially when Southampton used to play Huddersfield back in League One, which shows how far they've come. And he's always had that extra bit of touch and extra bit of vision. And um, although he, he says he wouldn't fit in at Tottenham, um, he's a player you'd, you'd like to have in your squad because he's, he's got a few more strings to his bow than perhaps someone like Sigurdsson might have because he's a tiny bit quicker. He seems to have a, a, an eye for a pass just that tiny bit more. Um, to be fair, Steve was talking about Man United, not Spurs, just to say. Yeah, I know, but just to put it back on us, 
if we were to put him put him in our squad. Um, I'd I'd take him. I agree with him at Manchester United because Manchester United are very rigid in their four-one-four-one system. I mean, if they're not going to play a uh, somebody like Shinji Kagawa, then he's going to rot on the bench as well. They'll they'd end up playing cleverly and leaving him on the bench. I agree, he'd be wasted there. And he was completely correct with with um, saying that he'd fit in at Arsenal because one of those front positions in that that three that they play up top would be um, would be befitting of him. And I'm as a as a player and a person, I actually prefer him to somebody like Jack Wilshire, who he occupies a similar space to. And I think he's actually a slightly more cultured person and footballer than Jack Wilshire will uh, is at the moment. I think Wilshire's got the advantage of experience, and he's been exposed to bigger games than Lalana has thus far. Um, but when you just look at kind of raw ability, Lalana definitely looks the the most, the more superior of the two. Yeah. And then, I mean, if we're talking about Southampton's youth as well, the other two that, that I really enjoy watching are, are Ward Prowse and, and Jack Cork, because they're two players that aren't, all the players actually that Southampton produce aren't very, English in their sensibility, they're, they what their youth academy seems to have over um, what others have is that they're prioritising people's ball ability and, and the fact that they're mature and they're they're playing like they're seniors already over the fact that they're they've grown tall or there's any sort of muscular advantage there or what have you because you hear about these players all the time they get let go because they're too small or they haven't advanced as much and that seems to not be the case at Southampton, which is why they're, they're reaping the rewards now, because they've got several fantastic players. Could could you shed some light on this, actually, Steve? Because when you look at some of the players, uh, we've just experienced one of your uh, your products leaving us uh, to be the most expensive player of all time now, Mr Gareth Bale. What is it about the academy? What is it that happens there um, that Rogers highlighted that seems to churn out world-class player after world-class player? And just on that... that- Back of that bail one, sorry to put in, but um, I'm not sure if Steve's aware, but do you remember the, the sell-on percentage that, that Southampton had on top of yeah. and the, the amount of money that we paid to have it taken out of his contract? 20%, yeah, wasn't then, it, I think? I mean, then, don't forget, at the time, Bale was pretty much a reserve player for you. Yeah. Um, so for us getting any sort of um, add-on, um, sort of when we were on the on the verge of going into administration, we had we had we had no choice basically. Yes, um, I mean we got what two and a half million, I think, of the of the five or six that we would have been due um, in in all the add-ons, and obviously without the sell-on fee. But then, I mean, knowing what Levy's like, there's no way that he'd have dealt at eighty-six million quid if he was having to give fifteen percent of it to us. No. So that that would have run on that would have rumbled on even longer and and would have been even more tedious than it already was. But, uh, yeah, so I mean, in in terms of in terms of our academy, it's 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 kind of been a self fulfilling prophecy, really, because I think it's one of those things where if you set your stall out that you are going to invest properly, get the right um, get the right facilities, get the right uh, people involved, and you. And you are prepared to give it time, um, then any any club could do exactly the same as what we've done. Um, we, I mean, Graham Souness, when he was our manager in, Christ, when would that have been? 96, 97, I think it was. Um, basically, just completely destroyed our youth system. Um, and don't forget, that was a youth system that was good back in the 80s as well. 
producing the Wallace Brothers, um, Shearer, Letitia, Dodd, Benali, um, people like that. Um, so it's not as if not as if sort of our youth youth system producing players is anything particularly new. Um, and given our um, relative financial weakness compared to compared to all the all the um, all the bigger clubs in the top flight, it's it was kind of brought on with necessity as well, because I mean it's much easier to nurture somebody from the age of 12, 13 years old and have them turn into a fifteen million pound player than it is to go out and buy a player for fifteen million quid. But is this something that I mean? How do you react to it? Is it is it just with an air of resignation that you seem to let these these players go, or is there a kind of a sentiment amongst the fans that no, we we should hold on to these players more more often than we do, or, or are you just generally quite happy because you, you never seem to get taken advantage of? You'll always command a good fee for the players. Yeah, I and mean, we've um, we've. I mean, to be to be fair to our. Um, the chairman we've had over over the years, they've all been pretty decent negotiators, even if sort of personally they're not everybody's cup of tea. Um, I mean, I, I mean that both Rupert Lowe and Nicola Cortese have um, uh, have got their um, got their uh, pros and cons and their supporters and their detractors. Um, but what they both do is get they uh, get the get the best um, best value for anybody. Uh, we do end up selling, um, but we're. I think we're actually moving into a position where we can now genuine, genuinely fend off interest. Um, I mean, it was it was particularly interesting in the summer that um, there wasn't a single, even a single rumor, let alone uh, any sort of concrete offer for um, either Luke Shaw or Morgan Schneidlin, who was. I mean, Schneidlin was absolutely outstanding last year. Won our Player of the Year. I think he, I think he polled ninety three percent of the vote in our Player of the Year award. Um, and how um, how he's he's not attracted further interest, I've no idea. Um, but there there doesn't seem to be. I mean, apart from the sort of constant Luke Shaw to Chelsea rumours, um, which seem to be born born out more on the basis that he's he's sort of well known to be a Chelsea fan, having grown up in in Kingston. Um, there's there's been very very little rumor of of our players sort of being uh, being tapped up or poached by any any of the bigger clubs because well they're getting um, getting regular Premier League football with us um, they're actually now playing at a competitive level in that Premier League as well rather than just um, just keeping their heads above water um, and because of the because of the way the TV deals have um, have sort of motored forward over um, over the years, um, we're now in a position to pay our play pay our players enough for them to want to stay. Um, so I, do, I don't think we'll, necess- we'll necessarily be um, sort of getting picked off by the bigger clubs as as we used to be. So it should be, in theory at least, possible to keep the vast majority of these players together for a while. I mean, on the topic of Luke Shaw, there's a lad that I chat to on Twitter from time to time who is uh, is apparently, well, a mate of Luke Shaw's. Um, I've asked him to qualify that, and he, he did post a, a couple of pictures of them standing side by side. Um, and <laughs> he said that when he asked Luke if he'd, 
if he'd signed for Spurs, Luke Shaw's apparent response was "fuck that" and laughed. So you know <laughs> that'll that'll see that link off. I, I know we have been heavily linked to Luke Shaw, but you can't see him going anywhere other than Chelsea, really, if he is to leave Southampton. Um, no, that'd be that'd be my thought. And I I would say part of the reason why you maybe haven't lost these players thus far is the the size of the gamble that they'd represent after that first season at least because. I couldn't have seen you letting Luke Shaw go for anything less than fifteen, twenty million pounds, and probably the same for Schneiderlin. And you, I would say that a lot of people would be thinking, "Let's give him another year. Let's see how they do in the Premiership. If it's not one of these one-season wonder type, yeah, affairs." There's, there's, all, there's always that risk. I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of absolutely batshit mental money paid out for players who have had a good six months, and then they turn out to be a complete uh, complete flash in the pan. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's understandable that people wouldn't want to take that risk. I mean I think a lot of part of it is also that um, people realise that we're financially pretty sound now, so we're not. Um, it's not a case of in previous previous times where we've basically had to sell um, sell a big money player uh, sort of once every two years um, to enable us to sort of enhance the squad overall. Um, we're in a position to. Um, turn down these offers. I mean, I, I mean, if if Shaw was to go to Chelsea, I would fully expect them to be paying twenty five, thirty million rather than fifteen, twenty. I'd say so. I mean, Luke Shaw would solve solve a lot of problems for us, wouldn't he, Raj? Who's that, Luke Shaw? Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't afford him, and he wouldn't come though. No, of course, but he he, <laughs> he really looks like a proper little footballer. That lad, doesn't he? Yeah, he um, the way he runs forward and the composure he shows on the ball is fantastic. Um, Could you see him moving forwards in a Gareth Bailey type fashion, or is he a more orthodox left um, back? I th- I think he's I actually think he's better defensively than going forward. Um, he's good in the air, um, which which always seems to take um, take opposition teams by surprise because they they see that he's I think he's only five I think five nine or five ten. Um, so what? What teams often do is they'll put their big man on him and lump balls up up to him to um, because they think well it's an e- it's an easy first header um, and then all of a sudden second half they've had to change tactics completely because uh, Shaw's winning everything um, going forward he's he ne- he needs I mean obviously I mean he's what eight, still eighteen years old so he's still learning the game um, but going going forward he needs to work on a little bit. Um, sometimes he he seems a little bit hesitant to um, to actually attack the opposition fullback, even when they basically stood stood there asking to be um, asking to be run at. Um, but that's I mean that's decision making that you that you learn through learn through experience rather than I'm not not entirely convinced it's something you can really coach. Um, so yeah, and those, that's probably the one the one area that he needs to improve. Um, but defensively, sound. Um, which for somebody who came in came into the complete shambles of our back four last season, and all of a sudden we weren't conceding anywhere near as many goals, it's um, it's testament to his um, to his ability and to be honest, his temperament more than anything, because he just he just seems so level headed, doesn't doesn't seem to be flapped by anything. Um, would you say he's he's better than the rest of the younger players then? Um, yes, yeah, I and mean, he's he's the stand he's the one genuine um, sort of standout player. The others are all are all good in their own right, certainly, 
and they've all earned their earned their first team place with us. But they're not um, they're not players that I would say are are going to be um, uh, sort of banging down the doors of uh, champion Champions League um, qualifying sides and sort of attracting massive money moves. I mean, the likes of lots of War Prowse's use is um, he's useful. He's very very good on the ball. Um, he's a little bit lightweight at the moment, I think. But then again, that's an age thing. Um, and I mean, I think Jack Cork is at is probably at the sort of level where um, where I don't think he's going to be able to um, be able to make any sort of a step up from where he is. Um, although I mean, he was he was a key player for us last season, um, but his his impact this season has obviously been. Uh, weakened somewhat by um, obviously Wanyama's arrival. We've we've got a good actual listener question here, Steve, from Ben Atkins twenty, who says, "Would you like to swap Luke Shaw for Carl Norton?" <laughs> I um, think that's our answer, is it? <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite that was quite some forty five minutes he had on the, on Sunday. Oh dear of, lord! Of all the of all the. Um, sort of drab individual performances. His one, his one stood out even more than Michael Dawson's. I thought as just being just so. I, I mean, I, I just don't get what what he was trying to do half the time. It was just weird. Um, and I mean, I think Villas-Boas had that was one that his selection was one that I, I looked at that team and I saw who was on the bench as well. I saw you had Friars on the bench who is a left back. I mean, yes, he's. Yes, he's inexperienced, but pick players in their positions, for goodness sake. You know, speaking about this, actually, it'd be quite a pertinent point to raise our mid-season sacking, because um, Southampton, it, it wasn't too much of a popular decision, especially amongst the media, for Obviously. you to get rid of Adkins, as it were. Yeah. But that seems to have worked out fairly well for you thus far. How, how are you finding life under Pochettino? Because well, he's he's yeah. uh, he's a potential replacement for AVB, if you will believe the newspapers. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be I would be surprised if he if he left so soon. Um, there seems seems to be this. I mean, I personally I think it's a load, a load of absolute nonsense. But there seems to be this mistake, this weird belief that Pochettino and a lot of the players. Um, buy into the chairman's um, vision, and it's not just it's not just Pochettino's vision. It's the chair, it's Cortese's vision that they're that they're buying into, and that it's it's that vision that's keeping them at the club. Um, I per- I personally don't buy that for a second, but um, at the end of the day, players will go where they um, go where they're going to be paid paid, and they're going to be playing in the in the best competitions for them. But um, yeah, I think. Um, I, I would be very, as I say, I'd be very surprised if Pochettino left so soon. What, what, um, what's his style of football been like? I mean, how has it differed from what Adkins has done? Well, I mean, Adkins, when when we first got promoted, um, it was basically um, almost Keegan esque um, in basically right. We'll try and score one more than you, um, which, given our defence, was always a risk, and so it proved. Having lost, I think we lost eight of our first ten. Um, but then that I think there was I think the game that turned it we lost at West Brom on a Monday night and we were absolutely terrible. And after that was when the first real rumours of Atkins getting the boot 
were circulated and he had a he had a big meeting with the chairman and and whatever happened i don't not quite sure what it was but atkins something uh, twigged burrow's furniture is built for the way you live from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating they always have their customers in mind their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you and with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. With Atkins, that he was going to... Um, come up with this novel concept of altering your tactics based on who, based on the opponents. And all of a sudden, our results turned and we started playing well. Um, and then, obviously, January comes and um, we go. We come from 2-0 down at Stamford Bridge to get a point. And the following day, Atkins is, Atkins is on his way out. And, yeah, I mean, the, it was just absolute disbelief at the time. Um, were you were you personally quite angry at it? Oh, I was I was I was absolutely livid um, because one thing that um, one of the many things that Cortese was quite keen on stressing um, when he first came in as chairman um, in two thousand and nine was that um, there is a right way there is a right way for um, for the club to to operate. And that he was going to um, he was going to uphold those these sort of ethical beliefs and and all this sort of stuff, um, despite what uh, people perceived as um, as a sort of industry completely lacking in any sort of ethical behaviour. Um, and then at the first the first sign of um, first basically attempt he had, he completely um, went against those. So that was that was particularly disappointing. Um, but I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, nobody knew how Pochettino was going to work out at the time. He didn't speak any English, um, and the the whole media circus about him not not speaking English in press conferences is hilarious. His, his English has been fine since probably around March, April time, um, but he just doesn't trust the press enough, I think. Um, but tactically, we we started off. Um, under him quite defensively. So um, while the first half of last season we were scoring a lot of goals um, and had started to tighten up at the back and weren't weren't conceding anywhere near as many, um, all of a sudden we put placed a greater emphasis on um, on the defence and being quick on the counter attack, um, which obviously worked against um, worked in games against the bigger teams. Hence, why we were able to beat uh, Man City, Chelsea, and Liverpool um, last season. But the only other game we won under Pochettino last season was at Reading, who were absolutely hopeless. Um, so it was clear that they needed um, needed to change something in the summer. Um, and obviously, 
obviously, you know, now then having the sort of full summer to to work with the players has managed to drill in this this high pressing game, um, which I mean, there's obviously once a lot of plaudits and a lot of points early in the season. Um, so I don't think a lot of teams were quite um, quite ready for it, even though even though obviously we'd been on TV and people had seen uh, seen clips, and I'm sure the various teams we played have, have sent scouts to the games and things. Um, I think a, t- a lot of teams were still surprised at how intense um, our system was. What do you make of him, Baines? He. Uh, it amused me when he talked about him not being able to speak English because it uh, reminded me a lot of Juan de Ramos when we had him because we had a similar sort of issue with with his English speaking. I think that's um, when po- whenever Pochettino has been linked to us post obviously yesterday, um, that's been some people's um, like their reserve over him is that he doesn't speak English. But obviously, if you if you've ever listened to anyone who knows what they're speaking about, Southampton said he's been fine, but it's just as he says that reservation towards the press which is completely understandable because if you get an intelligent foreign manager like we had speaking well and speaking better English than most of the press do they get slightly worried um, but as a manager he's, he's done really well um, he, was, he was slightly hit and miss with his time in Spain um, he was at Espanyol and um, I think they were actually relegated under his um, or, or close to relegation under his um under his stewardship, but um, it's it's where he's learnt his management that I find the most um, the most interesting because he's come through Bielsa in Argentina, um, and as you'll be aware, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Marcelo Bielsa because uh, he plays that mad three three one three system, and his, his entire focus of his team is high energy. Um, I think the, one of the best examples of that is obviously in the previous World Cups, the Chile side he had and the Argentina side he had. And that Atletico Bilbao side, um, where when they dismantled Manchester United in the Europa League, was was that ideology played to perfection, and that's something that um, although he's taken it on and, and adapted it somewhat, it's something that his style of management feeds from. In that the, the high pressing game and the high um, intensity of it all is is where he's learnt his management. Um, so in that term, I really like him. But there, are, there seems to be with Southampton. There seems to be the odd game where they they seem to fall off. There seems to be a good run of of um, good performances, and then there'll be a couple of slightly dodgy ones. It doesn't seem to be a, an entire consistency, and um, there's never really an explanation for that. It, it seems to come in peaks and troughs. I don't know what Steve feels about that. I but think a lot of it is, um, to be honest, a lot of it is because of the because of the sort of physical demands of the system. Um, yeah. players just get knackered. I mean, last yeah. last season we were so lucky with injuries. We didn't. I mean, I think um, Jack Cork missed the first ten games, and Adam Lallana had five or six games out in the middle of the season. Um, other than that, we didn't have a single injury to a first team player. Um, this season, all of a sudden, we've picked up four or five injuries to to players who would reasonably expect to be in the first team, um, and they've all happened at once. So we've kind of had to um, had to adapt a little bit, um, but fortunately this this season we've been, I suppose that's that's one of the benefits of the of the in, sort of intelligent recruitment is that um, we've been able to slot players in, and we haven't 
we haven't been completely depleted. Because it would have been easy for like the game at um, game against Man City. We had we had to make five changes, I think, from the um, from the previous game because of various players being unavailable. Um, I mean, last season City would have scored six or seven in that game um, because we just wouldn't have been able to cope with um, uh, cope with the sort of second string team. Um, but this season we uh, we got a draw and probably should have won the game. Well, speaking of games, <laughs> that's a tenuous link at best. We are that's playing right. this weekend. Well, do you know what I mean? I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, we are playing this weekend, um, so we should probably move forward to that. And we'll we'll we'll, we'll ease you in. We'll thumb you in if you like with one of our with one of our listener questions, which is from Mark Gearfer, um at Graham. And he says, are they more or less confident against us now that AVB has been sacked? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, given that Tim Sherwood's in charge, I, I would probably say slightly more confident. Um, because I'm not convinced that Sherwood's even remotely managerial material. I may be completely proven wrong and make make him look like a complete idiot on Sunday afternoon, but I just don't think I don't think he's the sort of um, character who's going to um, he's not going to command any greater respect than Vias Boas did from those players um, quite what system he'll want to play I don't know I, I can't imagine he'll be um, making too many changes from the from the way you're currently playing because um, you simply haven't got enough time uh, particularly with obviously the, the cup game this week as well um, so you're only going to have probably one training session after the West Ham game um, so, I mean, I, I was supremely confident after, after Sunday's game, um, simply because, because of the absolute state of your back four, um, whether the pro- the problem we have is that when the expectations are higher, we struggle a bit. So if, if Spurs are quite happy to sit back and, um, and wait to see what we've got, then you might actually find that's a better, that's probably a more likely tactic for you to win than um, than sort of playing playing in a sort of attacking um, attacking mode, and then us picking you off on the break. Um, but yeah, I'm, we've we've still not 100% convinced. But then clearly, nor of Spurs. Otherwise, the um, Spurs would still be in a job. So. I mean, it's it's one it's one of those where you could toss a coin. I think. How uh, how, how do you see the situation just as an outsider? Do you think we were wrong to let him go? Um, yes, because I mean, there's there's this. I've got absolutely no problem with the sort of continental setup with having a sporting director um, who's signing the players and the head coach who works solely with the first team and and all of this. Um, the problem is the lack of accountability, because Vias Boas, if he'd um, if he'd succeeded with these players, then Baldini would have been the one taking the credit. Whereas because he's not managed to get them um, into a well-oiled machine inside three months, all of a sudden it's his fault. I don't I don't see how that works. And I mean, you give somebody a you give somebody a four-year contract and then sack him after eighteen months, even though he's um, he got you your biggest ever um, Premier League points total, and I mean you're still what three points off fourth? It's absolutely nuts. 
Um, the, on, the only caveat to that would, would have been if Levy had somebody better lined up in the same way that obviously we, um, in hindsight, had with Atkins going and Pochettino coming in instantly. Uh, he'd been lined up for three or four weeks, had been watching uh, watching DVDs of our games, um, getting scout reports and that sort of thing. So he was fully prepared to come in when the, when the change happened. Um, if Levy had done uh, gone down that route, then then you could have you could have made a better case for it. But no, I'm I'm uh, I'm far from convinced that that um, they've done the right thing there. So can you see yourself lining up in much the same way you have? Um... This season against us, you're just going to go for it. You're going to play high intensity and aim for the yeah, win. Because so. I would, I, I'd say we're there for the taking at the moment, wouldn't you, Raj? Yeah, I've no idea how how it's going to go from here on in. I mean, it was hard enough guessing what team Andre would play, but you'd have some some small inkling. But um, Sherwood will have his own ideas, um, whatever they may be. We'll have a, a larger idea of that tomorrow night, you'd, you'd presume. But, um, yeah, it's all very uh, up in the air at the moment. Um, I haven't a clue of how we'll perform, and I, I doubt there'll be that, that lift that there usually is because, you know, it's not a proper manager coming in. It's it's the guy they've seen wandering around coaching the kids with Les Ferdinandes is number two. So I'm, I'm far from uh, confident with this one. Formationally, yeah, he- how do you normally line up, Steve? Well, it's it's quite fluid in the. I mean, we'll we'll go with the certainly go with the back four, um, and then we usually have two uh, two players sitting in front, which is which will be, well, I guess, with the injuries, will probably be Jack Cork and Morgan Schneidlin, um, and Schneidlin will probably go forward a little bit more. Cork will Cork will definitely sit um, sit very deep and collect a lot of balls off the back four. Um, Schneider will go one forward a little bit more, and then it's um, it's a bit of a toss of a coin as to whether he um, whether we go with James Ward Prowse, um, Stephen Davis, or um, or we go with the extra attacker um, by having Osvaldo Lambert and Rodriguez all start. But I, I would I would suspect we prob- we'll probably only go with two of them. Um, so then the other the other one in there is obviously Lalana, who has a almost a free roll these days. Um, he can pretty much wander where, as and where he likes um, in the knowledge that, I mean, the front, the front four are largely interchangeable with Lambert. Lambert likes to drift out to the left wing quite a lot. Rodriguez will do the same. Uh, Lalana um, tries to get involved in the middle because he likes to sort of um, dribble in between people. Um, so, yeah, I think... Probably a four-two-four-two-three-one-ish. Um, although there's lots of lots of halves in the middle of that, I think. Can you see us having another defence of Kapu and Dawson, Raj? <laughs> um, oh, I hope so. <laughs> um, Kapu is not the the problem um, unless he's runny, um, and <laughs> Dawson's the the one that will um, that will worry me. I mean. Gio Rodriguez has been in great form this season. Um, he was good last season as well, wasn't he, really? Yeah, but he's, he seems to have really have a, an extra confidence in him um, this season. I mean, he's always been a bit hit and miss. He's, he's often mistaken for being by some... Adam Lallana? No, <laughs> some, no for, 
for being part of the the youth system at Southampton, when you actually hear him talk, he sounds more like me than anything else. So he's actually from Burnley, isn't he? So he's he's from the wrong side of the Pennines, but it's this part of the world. So he's he's not a Southampton youth boy, but he's done really well. I mean, he's really um, deserved his place in the England side. He's he's quite an intelligent striker, and he's got. Although it takes him a couple of chances to score, he, he's got this um, this little bit of flair where he's, he can take a really nice touch and he can open up that little bit of space for him that, that all the, the really good strikers can do. So while he's still got some development to, to go through, he's um, he's showing some, some real patches of having some real skill this season, which is which is always nice to see. Hopefully he has a, an absolute mare on Sunday because we're going to need all the help we can get. <laughs> but, but um, yeah... Uh, um, it's entirely dependent on who's fit. I think Kirikesh might be fit. So, if if Sherwood's worth any sort of any sort of like time or, or patience, then he'll play Kirikesh and Kapu and, and Dawson won't see the light of day in the Premier League for a while yet. How? Uh, what do you think the score's going to be, mate? Ooh. I I still wouldn't be completely disappointed with a draw, to be honest. Um, but. Given your defensive woes, I mean, basically, I think I think the result depends entirely on how Sherwood sets up your back four. If you're going to play with the high line and have um, Laurie uh, sweeping up as he has been, um, then I think we'll win. Um, if if Sherwood gets the back four to drop a lot deeper and um, basically remove any space in behind the back four for us to run into, then then we'll struggle. Um, I don't think Sherwood's um, Got that intelligence, so therefore I'm going to go for a, for a two-one Saints win. What about yourself, Raj? Abdicate. Come on. No, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I see. Two-nil Southampton. Then I'll put myself out there. Two-nil Southampton. It's about eight-nil Southampton. It's <laughs> <laughs> the way I feel at the moment. It's a, well, as you can see, it's it's a happy camp at the moment. There, so. Yeah, you should, you should come. You should be a Tottenham fan. This is what it's pessimism. all about. Is it? The pessimism is impressive. Yeah, these periods of um, the thing is, I'm normally one of the most like Jackal vouch for this. I'm normally, I, I think this is the first time I've ever openly guessed us to lose. But just the the goings on of the past forty eight hours has completely knocked me for six. I mean, I can't, I can't describe it. I mean, you've listened to to last oh, night's show. It's, a very, it's I mean. a very draining. Yeah, it's a very draining experience when yeah <laughs> something like that comes. So out, sort of out of the blue, really. I mean, the, both the performance and then obviously the decision Monday morning. Um, it's a little bit similar to what we had with with Adkins, although obviously that that came after an unexpectedly good performance rather than an unexpectedly terrible one. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I tweeted after the after the the show last night. I think the, the last time a Northerner sound that depressed, Thatcher had just shut down all the mines. So that's that's <laughs> just about the state I'm in at the moment. But. Um, I hope they're they're competent. I want to see some sort of performance. Um, I don't think the result really matters that much for us anymore. I think it's just about performing now and <laughs> trying to um, to hold on until Sherwood's either appointed the heir apparent or we bring in a proper manager. Just, well, just... I, think, um, I think a lot depends on um, on the sort of the sort of bounce. Oh, God, I hate that word. The bounce back ability, if you like the how how the team responds to, um, against West Ham in the cup. Yeah. Because if they if they put on a performance there, then all of a sudden confidence lifts and then they go into the game on Sunday feeling a bit better about themselves. Whereas if if it's a 
I mean, West Ham ain't going to score without you giving them a goal. Um, let's let's make that clear. So if you if you do end up somehow um, making the pig's ear a bit tomorrow night, um, then all of a sudden Sunday become becomes a big issue. Do you just I you know I I, I can't even think about this anymore, Steve. I, I just want to I want to ask you a couple of things just to uh, before we before we end the the conversation, as it were. Um, Gareth Bale, is there a little part of you that feels a bit of pride there seeing what he's doing now? Yeah, it's great. Um, I mean, he's, and to be fair to him as well, um, in it, whenever, whenever he's been interviewed or, I mean, particularly in that statement that he released when the transfer was completed, he's always paid credit to us, um, as has his sort of start, starting ground and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's always that there's always a sense of pride when when one of your own um, goes on to sort of bigger and uh, sort of great things like that, like he has done. Chinky's um, better than Theo Walcott because we we got told relentlessly last year by Arsenal fans that Theo was the better of the two. Well, until until probably a year and a half ago, I'd have agreed with them. Um, but Walcott's. Yeah, he had a good half of a season last year, which got him his new contract. Um, since then, he's kind of been a little bit hit and miss. Um, but Bale's, Bale's come on leaps and bounds. I mean, to be fair, he had to last season because, um, I mean, he was winning games on his own. Um, I mean, the game against us at, at, at YR Lane was was absolutely mental. Um, because, I mean, basically nothing happened in that game until, what, 90, 91st minute? It, it was like the game where he just decided he was like, "Yeah, go on, I'll just go and win this one." Then wasn't it? Yeah, it was. The, it was, the, and that that was the first time we'd given him probably a yard and a half of space. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just he's just clearly head and shoulders above any anybody last season. I quite like that. Um, I can remember seeing that last year. Uh, a Southampton fan was trolling Luke Shaw on Twitter about that. You know how how could you let Gareth Bale? skin you like that and scoring I think Luke Shaw literally just responded with mate it's Gareth Bale um and yeah. pretty much <laughs> shut the guy down like that yeah I think uh I think one yeah I remember seeing that I think one of his one of his responses to somebody else was um he was just too quick um sad smiley face <laughs> um like well yeah what what can you say to that it's it's just that's just the way it happened it's so, um, we'll end it on um we've had one from Baza, there you go, Baza, at the B-Man tweets. Yeah. <laughs> he says, what do, what do you think about Tottenham stealing your song? Uh, um, I'd kind of like you to get your own, but <laughs> most, most let's, let's face it, um, football fans in this country have no imagination at all. Um, every club steals songs from other clubs. We're no different. Spurs are no different. Man United, whose away fans are by far and away the, the, the most imaginative, but still nick stuff from other clubs. <sighs> Who cares? Really? I don't. They're, they're responsible for that Slade aberration. Don't give them any. Don't give them cool. any praise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing more to say on that. But uh, right, well, it's been a bit of pleasure having you on, Steve. Um, thank you very much for giving us your time this evening. 
And uh, I'd, I'd say good luck for the weekend, but I don't think you need it at the moment. <laughs> well, we'll see. No, but I, gen- I genuinely hope you do well. Um, I hope you have a very good season as well. Got a, got a soft spot for Southampton now. I think you play very good football. And I'm not supposed to say that because you're playing red and we've got this whole never red policy. But <laughs> fuck that, yeah? Come on. Yeah. Whatever. But uh, yeah, cheers. Anyway, Stephen, have a good one. Brilliant. Cheers. So, uh, Southampton. It's going to be a tricky game. I, I can't believe you... Fucking wouldn't even predict a score there, Raj. You, I did. you slimy I did. bastard. You didn't predict a score. I said 2 0 to Southampton. Now I'm going to get all the, you don't support your own club, you mug. I get, I said, I get I, enough abuse on Twitter as it is for <laughs> you, you know? I said 8 0 Southampton. That was, that was mine. Oh, yeah, 8 0. Because if I set the bar incredibly low, that way when we only lose 4 0. It's um, <laughs> it's a victory. You, you're going like uh, Gal from the Fighting Cock in reverse, mate. What we're going to win five nil every week? Oh yeah. And the best is when um, I can't remember who. I think it might have been him. He predicted that uh, they'd win three nil against West Ham. We lost three nil against West Ham. There we go. We blame that's, you, Gal. That's your not, fault, mate. <laughs> that's your fault. Well, just to respond to my, um, I get because we both listen to it. I get mentioned on the Fighting Cock on a weekly basis now. In a mildly racist feature they have called Compare Raj to Ricky. I, I liked Ricky's little retort there when they asked, why is it that you guys get called uh, the same person? Ricky's like, I think it could be something to do with the brown skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I call him Uncle Ricky now. And I genuinely think there's some people who believe we're related, um, but we're not. I don't, it wouldn't be bad to be related to him. He's got very strong, very strong sperm, Ricky. <laughs> Congratulations on the second uh, second baby there, Rick. I hope you have a lovely Christmas. He doesn't listen. He doesn't even listen to his own podcast, never mind this one. No, he doesn't, does he? We've just got uh, old Mr. Felonious Phil. Hello. Hello, Felonious. I know you're listening. Yeah, I'm talking to you. And, it sounds uh, like he's outside your flat. He's, he's actually lying in bed waiting for me at the moment. <laughs> This has gone off on a tangent. Um, we well, got Western talking about Tottenham at the minute. I'd rather, in a, yeah, this series of meta jokes. We've got uh, we got West Ham. Um, I don't really know what we can take. <coughs> I honestly, I'm honestly thinking like, what, what can we actually talk about at the moment? Well, let's talk about Shower's press conference, okay? Um, because there's there's a lot being taken from the fact he said we're going to step up, we're going to take it to no, them. He didn't say we once. He said the players have to step up. Oh, okay. Okay. The first, the, the the reason I took issue with it is the first tweet I saw from Spurs official. Let me find it now. Uh, this is good pre-planning. Um, the first tweet that they they done without like cherry picking his quotes um, was was a bit strange, and I didn't take particularly well to it. Was because um, his first quote here it is is directly read out of a Bateman's it's up to the players to step up to the mark and perform well for the club and for themselves. Um, and then the next one was, when you lose your manager, it's key. It's a change and they have to listen to a different voice now, but I hope to get a few messages across. Right, There's not any sort of positivity or union that's expressed through that. He just said, for his first, like, I've got no, the sentiment itself I don't have any issue with. Because behind closed doors, having been spanked in the manner they have, yes, they do have to step up. But you say that to them in person, in their eyes, on the training field, you don't make that your first public address. That's like a politician coming out when he becomes prime minister and going, this country's a bit shit, you know. It's not my fault. (laughs) 
you civilians, you're going to have to step up here. So the economy, um, just can't you go to work a bit more or something? Why are you all using the credit for fuck's sake? Yeah. Straight away, his first his first statement isn't any way like bringing any sort of leadership to him. It's 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 parking the bus at the players' door, which is as I said in my tweet is is a trick that Harry Redknapp used to do passing the book. So it's it's it jarred me off straight away from from Sherwood. And you know, we're not the biggest fans of him already, although it, I think it's it's to say we'll always support the club no matter who's in charge. I don't think there's anyone who could ever come in and take hold of, of Tottenham Bar, you know, Nick Griffin if he was ever to be manager. I don't think there's anyone who'd ever force me to not cheer for the club. But um you know, uh, the minute he's not, he's not won me over as this is. I think this is the thing we need to be very careful about as much. And I, I tweeted to this effect earlier that I don't want Hoddle to be our manager and I don't want Tim Sherwood to be our manager. But at the same time, I don't want to fall into the trap of being somebody who I've been highly critical of. Um, I'm not talking about an individual, I just mean a type of fan that I've been highly critical of whereby they've almost harboured their own agenda against AVB and in at times it's left you questioning as to whether they actually want to see Tottenham lose in order to push AVB closer towards being sacked and a lot of people are seemingly celebrating now um, and it, it, that to me is still just something that I have issue with um, as I do with Asa Okoto still in that to celebrate our manager getting sacked is still celebrating our failure. You're you're acknowledging and reveling in the fact that Tottenham aren't doing well, and yeah. that for me is just not acceptable as a fan. And I, it might sound pious, and I'm not saying you know your support is less than mine. I just, in my own remit of supporting the club, I don't think you should ever want to see a manager not succeed and as much as I don't want Tim Sherwood as our manager because I don't think he is qualified for the role number one um, you know much secondary to that are these lingering doubts about his personality but again I can look past that um, if he does the job on the pitch and he does I will be happily proven wrong and I will still back the club of course I still back the club it's not even in any doubt and I'll back the man who's in charge so as much as, you know, for anyone listening that it may feel that in this interim that we are maybe being overly critical of Tim Sherwood, it's it's not in any way that, oh, we, we, we don't want Tottenham to succeed under him or we're not going to give him a chance. If we start winning games under him and he plays a, a style of football and, a, you know, adapts to tactics and whatever, a, a, a way of an approach towards the game that is seen as intuitive and something that can ultimately get us somewhere... Um, then bring it on. But I, I, I can't help but think that Tim Sherwood is going to be a guy that's going to be very much in that mould of, as you've said, Harry Redknapp. He's realised he's inherited a very strong squad of players and he would just say to them, go out there, play to your strengths. And because we do have such talent at our disposal, we probably will be very, very good in fits and starts. But again, when it really matters, when we do come up against quality opposition and players that are coached in a very clinical and technical fashion, we may well come undone again. Um, and thus, we see someone like Tim Sherwood get sacked, and then we bring in someone else from the continent, and the cycle repeats itself. But let's hope that's not the case. Of course, let's hope that's not the case. Um, 
we all want the same thing. We all want Tottenham Hotspur to be the most successful club, not only in the country, but well, not even that. It, obviously, success is a great thing, but you just want to be you know, <laughs> proud to support your club again. Um, and at the moment, it, it feels quite hard to do that when you've got a, a chairman and whatever that's acting in the way that it is at the moment. But Yeah, I mean, our, our, our criticism will always try and make constructive. And anything that we say that, that might be misconstrued as being slightly over the top is probably made out of fear more than anything else at this current point as we say this this past 48 hours we you know uh, the change the magnitude of the change at the club the the repercussions as as negative as as we think they could be that's that's the reason why we're why we're so dour in our appraisal of of Tottenham of current because we've been we've been given nothing to to try and um show that there's any sort of positivity coming out. I mean, had Sherwood come out and said that, oh, he's, he's sorry that AVB had left or, you know, that the players are going to react well. He's been, it's been a good week of training now with him and he's really happy with what he's seen and, you know, there's he'll bring new ideas, he'll bring fresh ideas and it, they're a good, solid base of players and he almost did that, that overly mothering and overly positive act that Redknapp often put on. But... There doesn't seem to be any sort of showing of that at the moment. He seems to have come in with with an air of of. There's a fine line between confidence and arrogance, and I'm falling on the side of arrogance at the moment. Where he's he seems to be very confident in himself, um, whereas um, you know we've been showing nothing to to support that at the moment. So, as you say, very happy to be proven wrong, but very fearful that we're that we're very right about the. Um, the man himself and the the management capabilities he's going to bring. But moving on to West Ham um, in a more constructive fashion, um, I actually think we'll win. Um, I don't think it'll be a a glory glory night. I think I think there should be a few goals because um, he's a very open manager in terms of the attacking football he'll play. His team selection will be um, be interesting. I think he'll actually probably end up playing two up front, just in a, a very nose out of joint. Um, managerial decision compared to what's come before. I think Soldado and Avi Beale start together. Who plays behind him and who plays his defence is, is extremely dependent on who's fit on the day because there'll be a number of late fitness tests now. So um, I'm interested to see what happens. I think West Ham are fairly terrible. I don't think they'll they'll pick us off in the manner they did before because they're so bad in the league that they're going to have to rotate in the cup to, in order to... to um, to stay in contention of not being relegated, so I think we're gonna we're gonna win. Um, no, I'm not even gonna say fairly convincingly. I'm just gonna say we're gonna win. But um, I think that could be um, papering over cracks rather than a, a sign of what's to come. What about yourself? What do you feel about West Ham? I honestly don't know, mate. I I really don't. I can't tell. What's going to happen is Sherwood going to line. I was thinking about this today. Is Sherwood going to line up with a four four two? As you were saying on the AVB. Pods, because that, that's terrifying. That really is terrifying. Um, is he going to, you know, is he going to bring in someone like Lamella, who people feel was marginalised under AVB because... I think Lamella's not even in the club. squad from today. Well, there we go. Um, you know, who's he going to play at the back? Is he going to keep Dawson in the team? Um, is he going to put Norton at left back? Yeah, you know, all these questions, all these things that AVB was so criticised for... I really am interested to see what Tim Sherwood is going to do and how, as well, those who have just 
blasted AVB for doing these things, how they're going to react to Sherwood if he ends up doing the same thing. Should we see Norton at left back? Should we see Lamella not playing? Should we see Townsend start on the right? You know? Um, There's a lot of noise coming out as well that we'll be recalling a number of the loans in January, so the likes of Tom Carroll and uh, Ben Warasukoto will be coming back to the club uh, the first uh, possible opportunity. So... um, I think that's something to take into contention as well. If there's already discussions of who's coming back, then that would be indicative of a, of a manager who's planning for the future rather than who's uh, who's looking to just steer us through until another manager comes in. I so. believe, according to Windy, there's no recall clause on Asarokoto. They have him for the whole season. I believe. Is it not? Is it not that there's? Um... I think that's the case in the Premier League where you're not allowed to recall whatsoever. But in the in the Championship, if you if you need a player back because your squad shot, I think you can just nick them back. As far as I'm aware, um, because I think it's it's different compared to which leagues. Just because the football league loan rules are different to the Premier League loan rules, because um, if it was up to the Premier League themselves, they wouldn't actually allow Premier League to Premier League loans. It's been something they've tried to eradicate several times, and it's because the clubs themselves benefit from them that they refuse to to you know, play ball with it because obviously anything that changed in the Premier League, all 20 Premier League clubs have to have a vote, don't they? Remember when we did that thing where we, we wanted an extra two subs and we managed to get all the backing of the chairman. Um, the whole loans to the Premier League thing is something that um, it's, um, it's always been something the Premier League's not, very, not been happy about, but it's something that the clubs have always wanted to keep in place. Well, I hope we don't see AV, uh, AVB, <laughs> BAE back. Oh, we're not going to see AVB, are we? No, we're not. Um, aside from when he probably lifts the Champions League in a couple of years with someone else. Um, but yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, uh, anything coming out on the site this week, Raj, to wrap it up? I think you're writing something at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, I was, I was trying to write something at the moment about AVB. It's very, um, it's very um, stop and start at the moment, just in terms of, you know, you get to a point where you start writing about something happening and then you kind of, you know, remember that he's gone and you kind of <laughs> stop and want to do something else and not think about football for two minutes. So it should hopefully be up um, soon enough. I think one thing we always forget to say when we do this ad mini bit is um, the theme music that we do um has been provided to us for free from um, the lads at Hookworms, the band. Um, it's, a, it's a track called Team Dreams, and everything they've they've released. If you like your psychedelic type of music and your your loud noises and stuff, then um, do check them out because they're a brilliant local band from around here. And the guitarist Johnny he does work for the site and stuff like that. So they're um they're very good friends of ours, and it's a good track. So track it down if you haven't already. Thank you very much, Johnny. Um, you can, of course, listen to all the previous episodes of Rule the Roost podcast at the Spurs Statman website. You can also tune in on iTunes. Um, you can read articles on SpursStatman.com, um, as I kind of said back then in a broken fashion. <laughs> you can follow JP, the boss's um, Twitter account, at Spurs Statman. It's very, very good. Um Aside for when Raj gets his hands on it, although <laughs> the Guna baiting is quite good from time to time. I do like that. Um, you can follow the Rule the Roost account, which is getting a lot more active nowadays, um, at RTRSSM. Be sure to follow me because, you know, that's why I do this. I want to be a celebrity, apparently. Yes, I am talking to you, Mr. Spurs Dreamer. Um, at Ted Trunk. 
And of course, you can follow the the brains behind the show. Um, shame he's not the beauty at Baines X I I I. But uh, yep, yeah, it's a it's a period of turmoil. Um, it's a potentially unhappy Christmas. Who knows? We'll see. But we'll be uh, back in a we'll be back in a week's time after back to back wins. So don't you worry. Let's see. But come on, you Spurs, and uh, have a good Christmas if we don't speak to you. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you